When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Celtic Exchange. A fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. What a week in the world of Celtic as we follow up a disastrous January transfer window by dropping two crucial points at Pitodri. This is Tino with the Celtic Exchange Weekly, joined here by James and Paddy. Paddy, we're in a bit of disarray at the moment and all seems to be by our own doing. Yeah, I think um, it's a continual slump that we're on at the moment um, with what we've we, we seen at the end of that transfer window. Um, I think that a bit of doubt was creeping in after the, the performance against... Um, against Ross County um, at Celtic Park as well, even though we got the three points. Um, we've been seeing these kind of performances. We've been seeing the form jumping up and down in terms of how we've been playing in those games since probably like since October. For me, I think we're a few games from there. We've seen that there is definite frail areas of this team and um, yeah, it's, it's starting to get exposed. And, and listen, we've not had the luck in terms of injuries this season, uh, as I've mentioned previously, but... Um, it's exposing our squad um, like like something else and um, a few eyebrows raised at some of the players leaving at the end of that window for me people that we don't want around to be honest um, in terms of like just you know the, the, for example the the um, David Tumble situation I think we've done well to get two million there um, and I've seen your snide Instagram post <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, well, listen, um, at least I'm not liking liking posts about, uh, you know, people people laying into him. I've seen one for your favourite, Mikey Johnson, uh, <laughs> liking a post of a guy just having a go at him. Um, Mike, Mikey's heading to West Brom. he tear it up and then come back like a new man. Aye, we'll mm. see. We'll see. He's had uh, many attempts at that. No, I, th- I think it's uh, it's quite a it's quite a tough time just now. Um, I'm just hopeful. I'm still just hopeful that we can kind of regroup and, and, and kick on. I still think we've got enough about the squad to do so. But listen, the pressure is on now. Um, and it's, you know, how, how can we react to that? Can we react to that? We need the winners within the, the squad to really step up now and pull the rest through. Because I think we are lacking. I think the confidence is lacking with a lot of players. Yeah. James, Paddy's, Paddy's hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm sure you are and, and lots of others. But how have we gone from a position of whatever it was, eight points clear a few months ago, to now being hopeful rather than confident that Celtic are going to go on and win this title? Because culturally, the fans and the board are of a different mindset. We are hopeful. They are timid and scared. And every action they take, you know, extols that. You know, just they, they, they won't push the boat out. Even you look at Majowski, I'm kind of like, you know, it would be expensive. You know, Andy Joseph was saying in your show on Friday, eight, nine million. That, that's heavy money. But if you're doing that to make 60, 
I mean, does, does he go and clinch league for you? Maybe. But even if you're going to put out budget of seven, eight million, what can you get for that? What top draw loan signing can you get for that? Where's the Craig Bellamy? Where's the Robbie Keane? That, that kind of thing. That was my kind of last hope in the transfer window that they would, they would do something like that. So I think from, what we February till May now, there's got to be a kind of two-pronged approach from the fan base, which is completely back this team all the way. But be ready and be able to make moves against this board in terms of voting with your feet, voting with your pocket, because that's what I'm doing. I'm not taking a season ticket next season. No way, as long as these guys are in charge. So we need to back the team entirely between now and May, get this title, and then look at what we can do in the, the overall structure of the, the company. And I'm going to come back to you on, on that statement. It's something that you spoke about in one of our shows during the week. I think it was pre-match, the pre-match yeah. for the, the weekend there, about your strong feelings about what's going on and the fact that you're most likely not going to take up your ticket unless something dramatic happens. Um, and just in terms of, you know, the kind of general chat, Paddy, around the, the transfer window, and we're going to get into some of the finer details just shortly, but I spoke about the fact that Celtic as a club would really need to go and pull a rabbit out of the hat in the final few days. And again, you, you go into those final few days absolutely more with hope than anything else. There's certainly no expectation because as long as we've known it, Celtic generally don't pull rabbits out of hats. They don't ever blow you away, do they? We've become very predictable and even more so in recent times. And it was just more disappointment. You know, you you, you head into Thursday night. I certainly wasn't wait, waiting up for the half 11, you know, clangor to say, oh, breaking news from Celtic Park. Because you just knew, we knew Adam Ida was coming in, uh, fair enough to him, but nothing else was ever going to happen and it's no surprise. It's no surprise, but obviously they were they were clutching at straws in the final few days. Um, you can tell how long they took to an outsider, um, whether it was Jerry McCulloch driving him around Glasgow to introduce him to different parts of it, that, um, or it was the fact that they were probably trying to bring in another player. You knew that they were clutching at straws. I think hopefully a few deals, but it's the same old. Um, the negotiations from Celtic with transfers over the last 10, 15 years, it's it's not us uh, really wanting to bow down to any demands made by clubs. I think it all comes from it has to suit us. And, you know, we get lucky uh, here or there with those kind of moments. Um, but I can guarantee if you're going and posting how much your club's worth and, the, you know, telling the London Stock Exchange how much your Too your much money. your bankroll is, it's not as if clubs are not sitting there and reading that. So when you try and negotiate and try and play down, they're just going to tell you to bugger off. Yeah. I, I I just, I don't understand as, as a, as a, as a setup at the moment. Um, I know we'll come on to it, James. I, I, I take on your view entirely. I, I think it's, uh, it's coming to that point. It's coming to that, that, that blow that we really need to, to figure out what is the forward plan for this football club. Um, seen a lot of comments lately as well around the lines of, you know, we're in, uh, acting entitled, um, people speaking from other teams across the country. Um, they've won X, Y and Z over the last 10, 15 years, dominated Scottish football. However, what I would say on that is that if you let that ball drop, then, you know, it will come back and bite you pretty quickly. And we can see where our club is going. We know what we want. We know as a fan base, we want to see us start to do something in European football. We look at our neighbours across the road and what they've done in European football. And as hard as it is to say, that's an incredible achievement, even getting to the final a couple of years ago. Why are we nowhere near that level? That's the big problem at Celtic. Yeah, yeah, can't disagree with much of that at all, Paddy. And James, just to, to wrap this opening section up, you know, the term entitled Celtic fan gets bandied around a lot, but it's not entitled, 
no matter who you support, to want your club to be the very best person it, it possibly can be. And for Celtic, that means consistently winning league titles and making an impact in Europe and bringing through young talent and, and all these kind of things. For a, for an Aberdeen fan, I think they should be entitled to expect to finish third, for example, or you know, or via out with Hearts to finish third and fourth. Dundee United should expect to win the championship this season. Wraith Rovers should expect to be there or thereabouts in terms of competing for second and third. Whatever your club is and whatever their level at, is at, there's no harm in a fan and in expecting the best from your club. And we are not getting the best from Celtic at this moment in time. No, I mean, we as fans are investing the most in terms of cash. So we expect that investment to translate into, obviously, squad stuff. But even beyond that, onto who's the best exec for that position, who's the best director for that position, etc, etc. So that you've got to quote poor old Don McKay, the best in class and everything. And we're so far away from the best in class and everything. Every single Celtic fan out there has a story about this poor experience. I paid this money, I got this experience, blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's not good enough. So I I, I can see where, I think there's a couple of Dundee fans and stuff, I can see what they're saying, oh, you win everything anyway. It's like, we're not saying we're entitled to win it. We're entitled to have the best people in position to give us the best chance of winning it. That's that's where I come from at it. Yeah. I'm going to get Dom on the show. Oh, going to put we, the feelers out and Dom, see. I think Dom, Dom's NDA is bomb-proof. I think so. But we'll see if we can much for that. find a way around it. Uh, just a short request before we kick off with the show. So if you're listening to this episode of the Celtic Exchange in podcast format, then make sure you're following the show on Apple or Spotify to ensure you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And while you're there, please take 60 seconds to leave us a short five-star review if you're enjoying what we do. Alternatively, if you're watching on YouTube, then simply hit the thumbs up icon on your screen to like this episode and press subscribe just alongside it if you haven't already done so. Your support goes a long way to helping us do what we do and it's really appreciated by all of us here at the Celtic Exchange. James, question for you, this week's big question. With Celtic continuing to make vital mistakes on and off the pitch, is there a serious danger of anger now turning to apathy amongst large numbers of the fan base? I think we're angry enough... Um... To, to, to last a bit longer yeah I think still, still got a bit still, of anger in you aye, there's still a lot of rage there um, and when you've got you know a focal point which will be a director's box you know we saw from the, the fans on Saturday there it was um, on your head be it and that's mm. squarely at the board so I think I think the anger will, will take us right the way through to uh, to the summer I think there'll be protests on the first home game 17th yep. there'll be a, a, a demo outside there um, because we're just sick of it so Apathy for me was when we were playing in Europe in Rogers' first tenure and he was putting out <laughs> sexy formations and plays and he didn't have the players to, to carry out those formations and you were getting scudded 6-0 off the PSG. That's where apathy kicks in. Where you know, you're like, well, there's nothing really we can do about that. There's plenty we can do about this and that's where anger stays. Yeah. Paddy, what are these sexy formations James speaks of? Uh, I just think not not budging for the, the free-flowing football that we once seen at one point in the first season. I think, um, I agree, I think it's it's more realisation that we're actually being shortchanged. Um, we can see we've been crying out for a left-back for not even just two windows, I think for three I think the cover uh, was, we realised that Burnaby wasn't going to be up to much January of last year. Um, and I think that a position that we've wanted to, to strengthen in um, for a long time and well done to Greg Taylor for playing it probably for me the highest level he'll, he'll, he'll get at in terms of his performance for us. I think he, he has had some incredible performances, but um, the weight's all on this guy's shoulders now for the rest of the season. Um, we still need him to come back 
for that as well. Um, and I just think that to be short in that position is just a massive failure, a massive failure as a as a football club to not address that situation and to even be linked with left backs, left, right, and centre, um, and and not landing anyone is is so damning to that that recruitment team and so damning to, to us as a club again when it comes down to negotiations yeah you mentioned Greg Taylor there and Greg Taylor's a good example James of someone who he as an individual has maximised on his talent on his potential he's got the very most out of what he can offer he's become an international footballer he's picked up trophies and titles for Celtic and genuine best wishes to Greg Taylor whatever his career goes on to become beyond Celtic because he's done a, a good job and an honest job um, but I don't think it's, it, you know, it's out of order for anyone to demand better. You know, people demand better because that's that's where he should be at Celtic. You should never settle on what, what you've got. You should always look at what's next. And Celtic as a club, fairly take the example that Greg Taylor's shown. Celtic aren't maximising as a club. We are not getting the best out of what we've got to offer. And there's just, there's so many shortcomings. We'll get to some of them just shortly, but we just seem to fall short in so many areas, not just on the pitch. I think it's... It's off the pitch is where this comes from. You know, there's lots of wee noises out of Celtic that, oh, it's January, it's hard window and all that stuff. And, you know, I've said it before, like, that, that is just a licence to be mediocre. You know, instead of wishing that we were better, we wish it was easier. That's pathetic. You know, you're professional football execs. You're in a company that turns over £120 million. There's money in the bank. There's structure all over the place that you can lean on. And it just, you know... You kind of laugh about it saying, oh, well, they do nothing between September and January and then they run about, you know, with their hair on fire. But then you go, maybe they are. Do you know what I mean? It certainly looks like an optics being optics, all that stuff. Um, that they were flying around in the last few days of the window, you know, again from Auntie Joseph, trying to get this deal or that deal over the line. First week, and you can say, oh, you know, but they're looking for value. They're looking to see who they can scoop up in the last week instead of paying the money in the first week. You should have, say, say we were only really looking for a striker and a left back. Kuhn was a bit of a, a bonus. Nobody was screaming for a, a winger mm. as much as it, you know, it turns out it's, it's very handy. But you're kind of like, you might have struggled on with Mikey Johnson, for example, if you hadn't seen Kuhn. Left back and striker. So you go, right, I've got five options for each of those and we're going to go hell for leather from one to five on each. You can't tell me that happened at Celtic. No, and you know, Paddy, there's five full months between start of September and end of January. And as James says, in that five full months, you tell me the best they could come up with is a, what seems to be a talented left winger than Nicholas Kuhn, albeit not a priority position for us, and what looks like a player who's fallen by the wayside at Norwich. That's all you've got to show for your workings. That, that's horrendous. It's clutching. It's clutching and straws at the end of the window, as we've said. I think that... Um, I highly doubt that um, Adam Ida was on a list of players that they've been looking at for a long time. I really do. I think it's uh, the agents have been called, right, who's available, who's who's looking for game time. And he ticks the box for Celtic because they are, in my opinion, naive enough to think that, ah, tall, fast forward, we, we, we need, we need a, a bigger striker up front. And guess what? He's Irish. The fans will love that. I think uh -huh. it's as lazy as that. I really, really do. And I, and I feel for the guy because the pressures came on to him considering we were linked with uh, Van Hooydonk the day before mm. and then it turns out no actually Norwich are taking him he's wanting this guy instead I think that there was a bit of like yeah a bit of confidence with someone like Sidney Van Hooydonk uh, potentially coming to us and now we're, we're looking at a guy that's 
you know, hardly done anything. Uh, and has a, t uh, a really horrendous uh, injury uh, list as well over his career. So again, it's just scraping the barrel with the looks of it. I hope this guy goes and proves, uh, uh, proves me wrong. But I wouldn't turn around and say that Celtic have went and found a gem there. I really don't. Adam Ida is unfortunate, James, in that he's become the lightning rod for a poor performance across this transfer window and it's, it can, cannot rest on his young shoulders. I'm actually more optimistic than a lot of folk about him and I suppose we've all had a glimpse of him oh, on man. Saturday where he done pretty well. Yep. But having a look into it, so a lad Michael, Michael Shearer, who's been doing a bit of writing for us, he's, he's provided a background on Adam Ida and it's on our website just now if you want to read that. And the more you read about him, the more you realise he has got something. I've also listened closely to Brendan Rodgers' comments pre-Aberdeen match and he was saying that Ida played against his side I presume Leicester then uh, when he was 17 or 18 he was making senior appearances at that age played Premier League football scored internationally for Ireland he's got over 120 senior appearances at 22 years of age and I know he's got a sketchy injury record but he's clearly got something about him he's an international footballer with 120 appearances you know at 22 so I think there's something in Ida but really that's that's not the focus of this conversation because regardless if there is or isn't something about him as a player, and let's hope there is, mm -hmm. we only made first contact with him on Monday of last week, seven days ago from now. So he wasn't your first choice. And the, actually the first choice, and James is right, Paddy, there needs to be a plan B, C, D and E. You have your plan A by all means, but have your backups for whenever they fall through. And those conversations cannot be with three days of the window left. You sound these guys out through intermediaries in November and December. And by the first week in January, you can start to make the proper moves. So you cannot tell me your strategy is in the right place. It's, the evidence is there. This isn't just a podcast filling the blanks and speculating. The evidence is there that we haven't prepped. The worst of it is the summer transfer window was patently so bad by late September. You knew it was a shocker. We, you know, I think I, I was confident it was a shocker as soon as the transfer window closed. But by end of September, you knew it. So at that point, you know, if I'm in charge of any job, any department, in any discipline, and there's something like that's happened, say, right, okay, when do we get to fix that? Right, January, okay, let's be sure that we're absolutely on the ball here. And it doesn't seem to be that's that's been the attitude at all. It's been a, well, the window will open, we'll you know, have our chats and we'll see what goes on kind of thing. They should have been just right out the gate, 1st of January on that. And, you know, this... <sighs> got the beeper, Dave about at the tail end of the, the window when and, and it's not even like our needs were complex we knew exactly what we needed and when and they just they just failed and that's four failed windows for Mark Lowell if he's been given the budget profile to sign the players but we need to look beyond Mark Lowell to see who's given him his, his orders yeah that's true Paddy I was kind of prepping for this you know earlier this afternoon and I genuinely took a minute to say are we or, or am I overreacting just to general things at the moment? Is this a case of Celtic fans, you know, being us three in the room today, getting a bit jumped up and a bit excited about things? But I'm, I'm noting down just the kind of headlines of things that aren't going going right at this moment in time. So absolutely, the, the lack of effective work that's been done in the January window, the apparent disconnect between Brendan Rodgers and his recruitment team, the divisive presence of Peter Lowell as chairman, and whether you like Peter or not, he is divisive. There's some that can't see past him and some that think he's the devil incarnate. So you've got that division within the fan base. Uh, you've got inconsistent results on the park, which is always heightens tension in the camp. And you've then got the fact, and it's a huge fact, that you're gambling with a potential 60 million Champions League prize pot. 
that's just the headlines. There's a lot of others in between, and I don't think it is an overreaction by us and many fans. It's, it's certainly not. I think that um, it is a, a total culmination of, of of many factors that we, when you look at each one and you compare each one up against the the good and the bad of it, I think that Celtic fans are in, entirely within their rights to to be upset here at the moment. Um, we are gambling big time here. We have got 14 games to go in the league and you know, at the moment, what's worrying is is that the, the, the full setup seems out of sorts. You look at the team that finished that game on Saturday, you had uh, Anthony Ralston at left back, you know, you had um, another defender having to come on for another defender again. So we, we had Stephen Welsh has not been playing cons- like consistently this season coming on and and we looked so, so fragile at the back. Anytime Aberdeen brought the ball forward, they could have scored. That's That's so, so worrying. And you Johnson on when he should have been off. He, he see when he came off, you know, to get checked for his injury and mm-hmm. his groin injury. He went to walk to the bench and he went, "Turn around, son. You're staying on." <laughs> He's like, "What? There's, there's no seat here for you." <laughs> uh, but that's the thing, Paddy. You know, generally your back four should never change. No. You change your back four when you've you've won your league title and you're just giving guys a run out. Your back four, the the consistency of Angie's back four was a huge reason, a huge foundation for the success that we had. And you generally had. Whether it was Juranovic initially and then Johnson on the right hand side, Greg Taylor for the most part on the left, Carter Vickers and Cameron Star. Car- Cameron Star. Star-, 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 Star- That's how angry I'm, but <laughs> that uh, what a combination that was. Uh, but you'll know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and the fact that we're chopping and changing the, the left back situation almost epitomises everything that's going on. Tell we'll do, we'll take a very short break here, and I've got a key question to ask you, James, when we come back. Welcome back, folks. We've been discussing some of the many, 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 many issues uh, on and off the park at the moment. But key question I want to put to James, and again, it's it's a follow-up to, to a comment James made in a, a recent episode, but you're dead set, you're serious that unless there's dramatic change here uh, in the months ahead between now and the end of the season, you're done, you're giving up your season. You're not giving up your love of Celtic, you're not giving up your support of Celtic, but in terms of continuing to fund this board, you've had enough? Yeah, and that that's all it is. You know, it's not even that you know, some of the football at the moment isn't great. I, I watch Celtic, you know, playing good and bad kind of thing. We've been well used to it. We've had it over the years and stuff. You, you, you just dig through that as a fan. This is the only weapon we've got in our arsenal to make this board sit up and take notice. We need to vote with our feet. You know, it's not like the times of the Kellys and the Whites where you can just not pay the gate and stand outside and all that stuff. They've got your money. So the only thing we can do is, essentially, they're defunding the team, so we need to defund them to show them that we're serious and maybe you know my ideal scenario would be not taking your season ticket and then season ticket still being available once things start to move and that's ownership change or exec change I'm open to both but they've got to start implementing ideas that will change us as a club I said it many times in the past few weeks to grow up as a club we're thinking around the edges we're giving fans a poor experience we're defunding the team we're bringing in a manager and then not backing them there's Bullshit politics all over the place between Lowell and Rogers, and we're caught in the crossfire as fans. So all all I can do is cancel my season ticket. I've not got any other weapon. Are you going to stop buying the Celtic bed covers and the jammies and the the slippers? Like you going you going they'll, all out? They'll not get another penny from me yeah. until there's change. Um, Paddy, what's your take on that? So obviously a lot of fans, and because it, I don't know, it's all cheesy here and say it's more than just a club and all that kind of stuff. But for a lot of fans. They, they they will just never give up their season ticket. There's there's 
sentimental reasons that, you know, they used to go with their family, their friends, their, their mums and dads, whatever it might be. Uh, and there's so many reasons why a fan would be reluctant to give up the ticket. But to James's point, it is the biggest weapon in your armoury if you want to try and make people at Celtic sit up and take notice. Where, where would you stand on, on such a move? Well, it, it once was a football club and it is just entirely a business now. I think that the the view on it, the the stance that, that James is taking is is understandable. Um, I'm of the, the other ilk of, uh, I would find it really difficult to do that. Um, I have such a loyalty to the club in, in terms of what I have put in over the years and the, the moments that it's given me and the joy that it's given me in my life um, is something that, you know, will will all will live long in the memory. Um and in these points as well, I I I really, really see how difficult it can be. Um and I can see I can see the 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 argument for both sides of the coin basically. I think back to the the horrible season under under Neil Lennon and the protests that took place. And to be honest with you, that was a fan base frustrated with what was going on in our lives, but also frustrated with what was going on in the park and and just a lack of desire shown by a, a playing team and by a board uh, who brought a, a a safe option back in terms of Neil Lennon become, becoming the manager again. They seem to learn from the mistake of that and and really, really bolster things up under Ange and really push ahead and back them, back them really, really well. Um but what we hoped for in that point was to see some sort of structure come in place at Celtic. Mm-hmm. And that promise has been broken because um, I think that Michael Nicholson was a, a, a big advocate of, of trying to make that change. Now, whether he's got his hands tied behind his back, we don't know. And this is the big issue with Celtic at the moment. We don't know what's going on. There is no transparency with the fans whatsoever. And I think that statements such as James will be you know, quite quite a common thing here. I really, really do. Um, do they come out and save it at the last minute if we're pushing towards trying to win a title and it's close, it's neck and neck and the, the renewals are starting to come out? Do, what do they do in that situation? If we are not in a position where we've seen any sign of change, they're going to lose season tickets, winning the league or not. I think that it's a very dangerous area for this board. But what I would want to ask James is that if they were to kind of come out and say, Listen, hands up. We need to have a look, address a few things here. We need to address our, our structure as a football club, and we plan to do so. What would your stance on that be? What What would you take from that? And I know it's very unlikely that they will. I get that, but if there is a, a rude awakening, if, for example, Michael Nicholson takes it to the to the chairman, takes it to those that have been sitting on their hands at Celtic Park for far too long now, what's your view on that? There's got to be a clear out of board level. Um, any announced plan wouldn't do anything. I need to see action. Um, clear out of board level. You need to take people all out. The absolute toxicity of it all. You know, whether you like him or dislike him, he's divisive. But, you know, you can ask that of Rogers as well. If you are then going to have... I mean, Celtic are dysfunctional as a company, yeah. given the ownership structure we've got. You know, Desmond's not the majority owner, but he's the minority majority. He makes all the calls kind of thing. So he decides he's bringing in Rodgers, but then he lets the execs go against that and not not fully back him. It, you know, he just helicopters in, then zooms back out, kind of thing. And that that is a big part of the dysfunction. Personally, I'd like to see full ownership change. I think that's the, the clearest way. An ownership change to to owners that have got experience of taking over football clubs. Actually, an owner 
that enjoys football. I don't really think Dermot Desmond enjoys football. It's just a wee play thing for him. It's a toy. So Desmond out, board change, new owners, all those things. But those are actions, not announcements, you know. And, and on that basis, there, there's very little chance of those actions taking place between now and, and the end of the season slash start of next season. You know, Celtic's AGM certainly is around about November. They could call an EGM, an extraordinary meeting, to, to announce any such change. And I think the only thing that would prompt this change... You're right, James, you know, talk is cheap and stuff and it's actions on all sides, you know, from board level and from fans taking action that, that instigates change. And I think it's when the renewal letters start landing, whenever that might be, April time or whatever, and they they start to track the responses and see just how many people aren't taking up. See if your renewal letter come in tomorrow morning, Paddy, you'd probably fire it right in the bin, such as the feeling doing the rounds right now. And I'm not sure how much that's going to change between now and, and the end of the season. There's such a a feeling of disconnect doing the rounds between the fans and the club and I think they will see the lack of uptake on re- and obviously people can renew, renew right up to the bumper you know they can take it right into the summer before deciding but I think initial responses the club can certainly track where they were at in terms of initial responses in week one of the campaign week two month one whatever and compare that to the last few seasons they will absolutely see a difference I'm absolutely certain of that and maybe and it is just a maybe that will you know create some conversations behind the scenes to say we need to change something or Dermot Desmond will say you need to change something because something isn't right. Well, it, it clearly isn't right and I think that we've seen the momentum that was built under under Ange over two years to the point that they actually closed the waiting list um, for, for season books but that's going to become available again um, for me. Win or, win or lose this this, uh, this league, I think that the the product on show is... is my God, it's really poor. It's uh, reminding me, some of the football we're playing at the moment is reminding me of the, the Mowbray era to, to an extent and that's that's saying something. Um, I think we really need to, we re- really need to regroup but what I think is is that there's just too many issues within the club. There's too many factors and I think there's too many fallouts within the club and it seems fairly fractured. It yeah. really does. There's division amongst the fans in terms of opinions and how we should all approach this. Is it the board's fault? Is it Roger's fault? Whatever it might be. You better believe there's division internally. It's clear, James, that you know Dermot Desmond said, you're getting Brendan Rodgers back, get used to it. And there's no doubt, as I, say, I said last week, I can't believe that Peter Lowell just all of a sudden just buries that hatchet and says, ah, do you know what? I didn't go on with Brendan, but it's cool. We'll go for it. I've no doubt there was resistance. It's just human nature. They clearly didn't get on that well first time around and there'll be resistance from Peter Lowell and there's several folk on that board who are Peter Lowell's guys. And I say guys meaning fellas because there's, is there one woman on the board? Sharon sure. Brown. Yeah. It's a board full of guys who have worked with Peter over the years. Peter's probably been good to them, looked out for them and they will naturally lean towards him. So there's this imbalance on the, the board, let alone the bigger picture at Celtic, who aren't all moving in the same direction. And when you start moving in different directions, Brendan Rodgers said it, didn't he? He said... You know, when this club is divided, it's a very tough place to be. And I think that's the voice of experience in terms of what he's seen and feeling at this very moment in time. Um, James, the biggest problem, if you and others, and I've got a good mate, a lad you know, Greg Harvey, who is Celtic mad, he's also adamant he's walking away. And the biggest problem on that, you know, you're right, it's the one thing that could maybe make Celtic directors sit up and take notice. There is another you, and there is another Greg Harvey just waiting to take your ticket. There's a, a, an alleged 10,000 waiting list. And people who are fed up with the way Celtic are operating but currently don't have a ticket will probably take your ticket. 
you know, I, I kind of have to hope that the scenario exists that they, they do, because obviously I, I still believe that we can and will win this league, which probably, you know, I suppose if I'm going to make any call to fans is don't let that pull the wool over your eyes. You know, let's win this league, of course. You know, let's get to where we need to be in terms of Champions League. But don't then let that feeling say, well, you know, there's a gap in the season ticket waiting list. I'm going to take a seat. Stick to your guns and push this board and let them know you're pushing them. As fans groups, we need to let them know. But I can understand the temptation. If you've been on the list for you know, five, ten years, whatever, then you know, you're, you're, you're probably going to take that. But think about it. Think about not taking it. Think about the bigger picture. And can you get an even better Celtic by not taking it? Yeah. I'm just picturing a scenario, Paddy, at the end of the season where James hands his ticket over to somebody else and all the best, mate. <laughs> good luck with us. <laughs> Carry on the good fight, brother. Yeah. Um, there's a point I'd like to make. I spoke to Anthony Joseph on Friday, so we tend to do a, a post-transfer show with Anthony from Sky Sports News. Always very informative, very insightful. Anthony's a great guest and very kind of his time. And he brought up a really interesting point for me, Paddy. You mentioned the... You know the, the the suggestion of the football department, you know, modernising and moving with the times. And Don McKay's name always comes up when it comes to stuff like that. Now, I've no doubt Don McKay made some mistakes, potentially a, a James McCarthy shaped mistake, and some chat about Juranovic's contract and things like that. So he he maybe had some feelings there. But one thing which I think he got spot on, or was hoping to bring in, was the the director of football structure at Celtic. He's seen the need to modernise and and the need to embrace that kind of change within the modern game. And what you had there, you know, whilst Don McKay was there and after he moved on was an Ange Postacoglu, who was our de facto director of football. Ange was all things to all men at Celtic. He was the head coach. He was the director of football. He was the motivator. He was the spokesperson. He, he was everything. And Ange Postacoglu was and is a bit of a one-off. And I think him being there and acting as director of football whilst also managing the team papered over a lot of the cracks. And winning football games, as we've already agreed, also papers over a lot of the cracks. But I think we're now suffering, you know, from the fact that we're back to a head coach structure where we've got a head coach and nothing else in between. And Anthony made the very good point that in the modern game, clubs, agents and players, when negotiating transfers, like to deal with a figurehead who's a director of football. I think Brendan Rodgers very much likes to concentrate on the, the football side of things. He's very much a tracksuit manager. You know, he's on the park. He's trying to develop you know, systems and processes and how guys play and how guys improve. So therefore, who is our current acting director of football is it Mark Lowell who uh, I don't know if he's got the charisma and I think you do need charisma to be that guy I don't think it's Brendan Rodgers making those calls is it Michael Nicholson you know so many players spoke about Ange being the guy I think Matt O'Reilly and Juranovic at the time and others Joe Hart. spoke about that yeah. phone call that personal touch that Ange provided and that Ange just sold them the vision sold them the dream of coming to Celtic and didn't hide behind the fact that for some players he, he would pitch to say come to Celtic, become a winner, become a Champions League player and move on with everyone's best wishes in two, three years. That, that, there's no problem with that, that's where we are. James, who sells that dream now? Who's the guy at Celtic selling that dream to Sidney Van Hooydonk or whoever we may or may not have spoken to? How many guys are we missing out on because we don't have that figurehead, that director of football, that real charisma at the top of the club to sell them on the Celtic dream? And your last line there is perfect. You know, It's a sales role. It's, you've, you've got to sell it. And I understand Angie's point was I'm not here to, once I've explained you know, what, what we want from you or what I'm going to do as a manager, I'm not going to continue to sell it to you. That's, that's you know, I've made my pitch kind of thing. But he did make a pitch. He said he didn't sell Celtic. He absolutely did. But it was once he'd made his pitch, it was up to the, the player and the, the reps to so, get it on. So Riley McGree doesn't take it yeah. and Ange falls to plan B and it shows you the importance of having a plan B. It's Matt O'Reilly yeah. and what a what perfect a example. B. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, 
Celtic have got a list of global Celts around the world. These are seriously, seriously successful people. You know, millionaires, billionaires, successful companies, experience, the length of your arm, all of that. And I know for a fact it's been, it's not been maximised by several people within Celtic. But, but it's sitting there and it's a real network for us to tap into. As well as there's, a, there's, there's local stuff on that as well. But, you know, where can we lean on these people to say, you know, maybe even you get one of those guys in for a, you know, a year, two years kind of thing to say, how did you grow your company like that? Because we need someone to, to make that kind of sales pitch within Celtic. Whether it's someone experienced in football, you know, you talked about this last week, you mentioned guys like Ramon Vega who've been very successful in football and going on to be very successful in business. There's things like that. Is there any thinking outside the box? But it needs to be, it's, it's a crucial, crucial appointment. So, I suppose it kind of ties in with what you are saying earlier, Paddy, about, you know, if they said they were going to do things, I'd be like, okay, interesting. But if they did something like yeah, that, yeah. and that's it, you know, you, we're not here to listen to what you're saying, we're here to watch what you're doing. And if they actually started making changes like that, you know, it wouldn't swing me around, but it's a step in the right direction. It's a crucial start. Well, well there is something. What if they did turn around, uh, say, March time and say, listen, we've, we've, we've realised there's a few issues. <laughs> Remember that fabled... Um, investigation during the 10th season Aye. yeah we're going to look at what went wrong and we'll get back to you and there was actually nothing there was no investigation that was just smoke and mirrors to yeah. keep us at bay for another few months but what if they did turn around James and say we've realised that we need to, to modernise and make some changes and in line with that we're appointing a new director of football we're, we're actively searching for the right guy for that role uh, we're doing this, that, and the next thing to modernise the club. But those types of suggestions or actions maybe get you back on board? Structure's got to change. You know, I, I can bring in the world's best director of football. As long as Peter Law's in the building, things will get in the way. Decisions won't get taken. Signings won't get made. So, you know, no matter how this shakes out, I know Peter Law's done a lot of stuff for Celtic over the years and he's a huge Celtic fan. There is no way Celtic progress with Peter Law still in the building. No way. He's just got to go. Yeah. Paddy, I'm trying to talk him into keeping his ticket, but it's, it's not happening. He's yeah. finding ways not to. I, I, listen, I think he's um, he's well entitled to say what he's saying as well about Peter Law. Um, what we've created, guys, is a running where, yes, I think uh, the fans will get behind this team and push them on, but you, you will see every single game, um, win, lose or draw, there'll be protests. And yeah. I think that that's... Uh, they're, they're the making of their, their own own downfall there in terms of allowing this to kind of go the way it has gone. And that is my only hope that they see that, they see the, the effect that it's going to have on the atmosphere within any stadium, home or away, um, and, and they react to it. Do they do that? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, you've got to kind of pin your hopes onto Michael Nicholson being the, being the voice of reason here and actually step him up and saying, actually what's going on is not working we need to sort something out here I doubt it what I'd say is from Michael Nicholson's point of view and I I would like to hear more from Michael Nicholson yeah. you, we don't hear a lot this is a real opportunity for Michael Nicholson to come out from under the shadow of Peter Lowell and say I am the chief executive of Celtic not just in name but in action you know that Michael's had that title now for a year and a half or so Now's the time to come out and say, this is why I'm the man for the job and, and start to take those actions which brings him that credibility that's required to be seen as, as the serious leader of Celtic. He is the guy tasked with making the big decisions and I think Michael needs to come out now and and, and take those actions that, that James speaks of. I'm going to go to a, a total opposite end though, away from, from the board on this one. So obviously there's been a lot of talk about Rogers and, and bringing him back and it being Desmond who said 
yep, he's he's our man and the board not too happy about it, Lowell not too happy about it and almost selling him short. I think for me, that transfer window last season was already complete before Rodgers was, was here. I think th those players were targeted. They were on the list from probably Postacoglu to Mark Lowell. This will kick us on. But then you bring it in, you get these guys in, the system changes completely. I don't think any single player that's arrived last summer was a, a Rogers signing. And I wouldn't be surprised as well that the players offered up to him in this January transfer window, he said no to quite a lot of them as well. We, we know that. No, but th this is the thing. And 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 as he mentioned in his, his interview last week, we need to be braver. Um, yeah. I think there's a telling sign as well. I don't think that it's a case of them setting setting up Rogers to fail. I think it's a case of Rogers calling them out once more. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, I think, and it's a good point. And I, some a lot of folks who have commented on some of our recent shows or, or social media posts have leaned towards, you know, the opinion they have that Rogers has been cowardly and not calling out this board and different things. I think Rogers is is treading a fine balance between. He, I think he has calling them out. He's been quite subtle about it, but he's calling them out whilst also playing the company line. You can't have open warfare. Do you know what I mean? Exactly He's that. got to get a job so, to do. So he's trying to strike that balance and it's a difficult balance to, to find. You're right about the quote, Paddy, you know, in terms of being braver. I'm going to get to that just shortly because I think it's a very important quote from Brendan Rodgers from, from Friday's press press conference. Just a last point though, before we get to that, in terms of the board showing the same ambition or the same desire as we do as fans, I think that, you know, there's a, a huge gap in, in that in itself. And I was thinking that even just a signing in the January window to to lift the fans, James, and to galvanise us, not necessarily the perfect player for the perfect position, but just someone that would almost lift, I'm not saying spend millions to lift the mood, you know, just as a gesture, but I'm sure you could have found someone that could have got the fans semi-excited, a, a guy that maybe used to play at a really decent level, or a, you talk about Craig Bellamy's and different things like that. I don't know, be creative, do what you need to do. But the fan base was in the doldrums and... Celtic as a board need to learn how to read the room. Any significant sign in January that was to the level that Rogers desired and, and told you he desired would tell me you get it, uh -huh. right? That's and it. that changed my mindset entirely because I'm going, okay, you've recognised there's a problem. The, the main reason I'm, I'm just stepping back is they don't get it or they don't get it enough to actually want to change it. That, that must go down is one of, if not the worst transfer window in Celtic's history. It's so, so bad. And it just says they don't get it. That's a confusion for me because you've mentioned rightly, James, that Pearl is a huge Celtic fan. We know that. Michael Nicholson is a huge, genuine Celtic fan. We know that. They they feel what every other fan feels. If they weren't in their current roles, they'd be down the pub with their mates going, it's murder now, isn't it? You know, they'd be feeling that exact same sentiment. And that's why I feel there's that disconnect because they know how the fan have been, fans have been feeling, but they've chosen to ignore it. Ignore it. And we, now we've got a really genuine title race in what's going to be a tense few months. And there was a chance for Celtic to strike a blow by making an announcement that would lift us up. And they've failed to take that, buddy. They have. I think, uh, we, we, guys, we look at it in comparison to the transfer fees we were spending 24 years ago. Yeah. And we're, we're still not budging away from that. It, it is evident that if we, if we go and spend that a bit more, we're going to get quality. He's asked for quality. He's not been given it. I generally believe he has been. Uh, we, we have went for certain players, but this is where the stumbling block for me is: is that we will not budge if a team comes and asks for an X amount. 
which is above what Celtic want to pay, they'll not look at it. I look at you, a man for Bromby for a start. Definitely think that there's something in that. Mm. We're waiting to, we, we were then told, no, you've left it too late. We're doing all right in the league. You'll need to wait to the summer before we negotiate again. I think that we are just so stuck in the dark ages in terms of where, where our money should be going, what we're going to get back. The only time I've actually ever seen us do it and it worked well was, was Odson Edward. And even then we held on to him a season too long. Mm-hmm. But this, this kind of circles back to, you know, our, our transfer strategy of, you know, having an ABCDE kind of thing. So you go to, you know, say Chris Gardner is a, a choice. I, I question that. I, I don't know if he's got the calories. Still fairly much development for me. But say he was, you know, offline, top choice, and they're, they're playing hardball and you go, right, well, we're also talking to such and such. So there's our offer. It's on the table till Friday. And, you know, we'll see what happens over here. Let's see if we can get a deal run. There's no, I don't know what level of exp- you know, business experience these guys have got in terms of you know pulling deals together and running negotiations. It certainly doesn't have the results of that. And Celtic are happy with a negotiation that ends up in complete failure, as in we didn't spend the money, we didn't get the player, but we didn't waste money. And it's like, but you needed that player. That is a complete failure. A deal is only a deal when it works. You know, you might pay a wee bit more, you might get a different player, whatever it may be, but you have to have the experience of working in business to get that. And I don't see it. But, but, uh, because bear in mind, this is a recruitment team that left transfer targets lying about for a cleaner to pick up. I believe so, aye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if you true. remember that right I as do well. have a, the, bit of, the scrap of paper aye. that had all sorts of names. What you've also got, James, the same negotiators, and I use that term loosely, mm-hmm. the same negotiators are in the building right now as we're trying to encourage Eddie Howe to come to the club. And the Eddie Howe negotiation went something along the lines of, here's the deal, Eddie, we'll pay this, you know, multi-millions a year, but just let us know whenever. (laughs) There's no hurry. We'll just hang about till you decide it's not the right move for you. And Celtic hung on and hung on and hung on, and Howe decided at the last hour, no, we then struck lucky with Ange and the rest is history. So those same folks are still the same folks that are trying to strike deals, whether it's with players or managers, and that's a, a concerning place to be. Tell you what we'll do, Paddy. Let's all just calm down, we'll take a wee break, we'll come back and lighten the mood with the mystery cell. Welcome back folks, Paddy will be providing this week's mystery cell, but before we get to that, let's take a quick look at last week's, which was provided by Assam. James, you might remember it, but I'll give you a recap of the clues. So clue number one, Martin O'Neill signed me from another Scottish club and I went on to win two league titles in my time at Celtic. Clue number two, I played 56 times for my country, and this pick kind of surprised me, and scored 22 times, uh, and that's a country who at this time last week were still in the African Cup of Nations. And clue number three, the other two Scottish Cup clubs I played for were St. Johnson and Kilmarnock. Did you get it, Paddy? You weren't here last week. Did you get it from home? I didn't. I didn't. I struggled. Do you do the same thing as Miff when you're not on the show, you just don't listen? That's exactly what <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> No, I listened. I listen. Paddy know what <laughs> Keep your ego at the door. Absolutely. Uh, but the answer, as you all now know, uh, was Momo Silla. So just to recap, signed by Martin O'Neill for 650k in August 2001. A decent player, I think, James, but never quite became a regular on the Celtic side, although he was on the bench in Seville, so he obviously got to that level. He then left in 2005, went on to play for Leicester and Kilmarnock. Paddy, any general thoughts and comments on Momo Silla? There's one game that always stands out for Silla, and it was uh, against Lyon, uh, away from home. Um, and Sutton was going through him. I, Sutton had a real thing against him, I think, at certain games, just... Tell him to kind of bring the play up a bit more. He, he wasn't really listening to anyone else on the park. And I remember Sutton screaming at him um, just to kind of give him a bit more cover in behind him. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, 
at one point after all of that shouting, he ran and closed the boy down into a bad pass and it ran into the line of Chris Sutton who went and scored. I think that was to put his 2-1 ahead in that game, if yeah. I'm right. And it was just, the the celebration was just Sutton picking him up like he was away and like, ah, you done it. You listen to me, you done it. Just dogs abuse and then just love. Love at the end. It was yeah. amazing until Baldy decided to handball it. Uh, <laughs> he, he was a decent player, James. And as I said, he's... It was amongst you know some of the the best Celtic players in recent times, so there's no harm in not nailing down a a permanent place here. I remember he scored against FC Bow in a qualifier. I think it was a, a last qualifier before the Champions League. He scored in the home leg at Celtic Park, but we end up finishing two one. I think we won two one in the night, and then blew it in Switzerland, and it and it wasn't meant to be. But James, any any thoughts of your own on Momo Salah? Uh, I certainly seem to be a likable enough guy around the the squad. Talented, but just surrounded by you know crazy talent. Um, really fast, handy guy to have. Wee bit of utility, you know. He was here, there, he was there. You know, he was kind of never nailed down a, a a real position of his own. But I don't think there's any shame in that, given the the caliber of player we had at the time, twenty four years ago, as Paddy says. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, hope he's doing well. Yeah, indeed, decent player, and obviously a very decent record for his country over 50 caps and 22 times for a non-striker pretty decent okay let's look at this week's mystery sale brought by Paddy we all know they're drilled by now three clues and it's up to us to name the mystery ex-player Paddy off you go um, first of all a wee shout out to Jim Bell that listens to the show just thought I'd uh, just bring that up he'd ask for a wee shout out at the weekend there so thanks for thanks for listening Jim, thanks, um, Jim. and yep see if you can get this one mate um, so this player has 47 caps for Scotland I'm going to need more off you, Paddy. You'll get more. Craig Burley. No. Okay. Oh, no. Uh, the next clue. Uh, some of his former clubs are Chicago Fire and Hull City. Okay. And this player has also won the FA Cup. We're in. Beep it out. <laughs> no bother for this guy. Uh, decent though. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks. Is it from Jim or from yourself? Hey, no, it was for me. It was from me this time. From you. Thanks to Jim for listening and thanks to Paddy for <laughs> providing the mystery. <laughs> self. He is there. <laughs> so smug about it. Uh, as always, folks, the answer will be beeped out here so you can have a go yourself and we'll also share it across the socials and we'll reveal the answer in next week's show. Remember, if you want to set the mystery self for a future episode, just get in touch via Twitter and you can be the one providing the clues for the guys here next time around. Just to return to the conversation, obviously we were, we were deep in the midst of solving Celtic's problems, of which there are many. Um, and there's something I wanted to, to highlight. So Paddy, you'd mentioned Brendan Rodgers' quote from the weekend and I was speaking in the approach to his press conference on Friday just about how telling it was going to be his response to what was a disaster of a transfer window. But as we agreed there, James, he did toe the party line. He was quite safe with his comments. He had a wee bite at the club but whilst also playing pretty safe. And I think it's epitomised by this quote coming up. So he said, I would go with supporters and thinking that maybe we could be a little braver in terms of bringing in another level of player. But that's something that's up to me to try and fix over the course of my time here. So he's taking a bit of responsibility, James, whilst also suggesting that the board weren't and haven't been brave enough. What's your take on it? Um, why is that even a discussion point at the end of a transfer window? That is a discussion point for September. How brave are we going to be? What levels are we going to try and sign? Um, and why is it Roger's job to get them to be braver? You know, he, he's talking there in a political sense as in I'll work on that and I'll work on that, you know, in terms of the board, I'll work on my recruitment team to get them to be braver. Why are we having to ask you to be braver? We all know what's needed. You know, it's just football. 
you spend more money, you get better players. You then trade those players in two years' time. That's our model. Everyone's bought into it. We've had such success with that model for a number of years now. And we could have had a lot more if we were a bit braver. So I think it's, it shouldn't even be in the, the conversation at this time of day. Is it a, is it a negotiated factor into Rogers' deal that potentially he does have the final say on the player? And I think for me, that's him. Um, he, he's taking a risk here in terms of saying no to the players that have been presented to him. For me, on the basis of that he thinks he can get a song out of this team and he doesn't, still doesn't want to buy quality, like, like unproven quality that's going to come in and, and, you know, are we then giving people big three, four year deals when he still doesn't think that they're at the quality required? Is it a risk from Rodgers? That's a bit, bit of me stinking there is that in play as well. I think potentially that's what's going on, Paddy, and if so, I think that's quite brave by Brendan Rodgers because it would be easy to make the populist move and just say, do you know what, just bring in those two, three guys and I'm all around sitting, the fans will be excited and, and it takes the weight off for another few months. But I think he's looking at the bigger picture and thinking, well, you know, is it just going to add further bloating to the squad? We've already got some guys out the door, Quan, Adeguchi, Turnbull, whoever else moved on. You don't want to just bring another three guys to, re to replace them and make it busy again. So it's a braver and bolder move to say, I see you're bringing me all these options. They're not good enough and I'm going to have that final say and, and reject those transfers. And he said it, James, you know, you'll have heard these quotes about I'm not just going to bring in players so they can put up that yellow flash banner on Sky Sports to announce it. He's not going to just do it for the sake of it. And he's right, desperate as we are and were for signings to come in, he's absolutely right not to take any dross. It just comes his way just for the sake of it. We've, yeah, we've got that all over the place. We know the story that, you know, Mark Law brought him a left back early in the, the transfer window and he assessed him and he took him to the team and they looked at him and they said, well, he's not the calibre we're looking for. You know, as in, we've already got that in the building. What's the point? Go back to the drawing board, go and get me what you need. But this is just, you know, can I repeat my point here? Why are we in in January still with a fluid uh, strategy? The strategy is to be locked in mm -hmm. by the 31st of December and then you go and execute it in January. You know, it shouldn't be, there should be no surprise to Mark Lawl that Brendan Rodgers is knocking that player back mm. because we agree the strategy September, October, November, whatever it may be. You get your intermediaries out there and then you start making deals. It, it seems the strategy was just still up for debate last week, buddy. Yep. They were still debating what the strategy would be. And, and again, that's that's not just us filling the blanks. It's, it's quite apparent. You know, scraping about for Adam Ida last Monday, all these kind of moves and the left back not quite been good enough. You know, you can let the summer transfer window come and go and Brendan Rodgers can say, right, I wasn't really a part of that. But Mark, let's you and I and the recruitment team sit down and have some really serious meetings in September and October and get really clear on the plan moving forward. And they have not get clear. They haven't. And this is my only hope is that this is the the begin, beginning of that being rectified and that, that Lowell was now aware, Mark that is, um, that hang on, we're nowhere near the calibre required or we're not willing to go into negotiations with those that are required. Um I think he's in a very strong position here, Rogers. I do, and I don't think he, uh, I don't think he's innocent in the in the form side of things, guys. I really don't. I definitely think there's been some wild decisions from him uh, this season. However, I do think he's he's been against the ropes in terms of the the playing squad and the injuries, as I've mentioned before. But there's only so long that that can kind of last. You need to get a tune out of these players because I don't think we're consistently saying in dross. I really don't. I think that. We need to kind of look at, yes, we 
this team does have enough to go and win this league if it wants to. And I think under his management, I'm hopeful that we do push ahead. I'm hopeful we get a bit of run of luck and a bit of consistency with our, with our starting 11 and we really just start to kick on. But I'm also hopeful that at the end of that window, he said, this is not good enough. This is not good enough. And that someone listens. I hope so. I hope he's saying one thing to the press and the media and us as fans. And I hope he's having far stronger discussions behind the scenes. James, we speculated, I think just on last week's show about the fact that Rodgers could walk. I don't feel like that now. Based on, on how he spoke on Friday, I feel he's towing the party line, just to repeat myself on that. I think he's he's playing the game whilst I think making demands and being stubborn in the right places. And this isn't a... I'm a fan of Rodgers, folks know that, and I think you guys generally are. This isn't a complete defence of, of some of the failings that have happened on his coaching watch this season. We've dropped points that we shouldn't have. We've been turgid to watch at different times. That's a whole separate conversation. But just in terms of Brendan Rodgers managing up the way and managing the board, the directors and the recruitment team, I think he'll be digging deep to get the, the best possible quality in the door. He used words to that effect and, and he's right to do so. Yeah. I just want to make one final point before we start to head towards the end of the show. You might have seen a tweet from Celtic First, a good account, account we know on Twitter. He tweeted a spreadsheet of all Celtic signings over the last 10 transfer windows. So it takes us back to summer of 2019 and between the summer and January windows, there's been 10 transfer windows since then. Uh, around about 60 players have come in the door. But there's a clear pattern there in terms of the, the age pro profile of the players that Celtic sign. And of those 60-odd players, only nine outfield outfielders in that time have been older than 25 years of age. First of all, that tells you that Celtic are absolutely... They're almost prioritising the potential of sell-on value. You know, they, they almost, they're almost reluctant to sign anybody that might not be worth all that much in a, in a couple of years' time. The nine outfielders have signed during that time are Kyogo, Iwata, Giacomakis, Juranovic, Starfelt, Moy and McCarthy. That's seven of them. They all came in under Ange. And another two, Chris Julian and Hatem El Hamid, came in under Neil Lennon. And what you can see from that, I think, is that Ange Postacoglu's time is, is the kind of outlier in that strategy. He's come in and said, I don't care about your sell-on value and your strategy. I need these guys and I need them now. Yeah. And if you want me to win, this is what needs to happen. I need you to go and get me Kyogo from Japan. I need you to go and get me Starfelt, a centre-half from Ruben Kazan and all these moves. Ange has been firm on who he needs and the club have bowed to those demands. Ange has left the building and we've resorted to type. We're clearly back to signing 21, 22 and 23-year-old projects. Even just as a, a, a separate point, and it, and it is quite separate, if you look at the age profile of Celtic's most successful team in recent years, we touched on it with Momo Salah, it's, it's the Seville squad. And if you look across the board at the age of players there, you've got guys like, you know, Larson at 30, Sutton 31, Hartson 28, Lambert 32, Lennon 32, all these kind of age groups. And you could argue Celtic spent a lot of money to, to gather that squad together. But having that kind of experience and that kind of talent at that age in their career brings you success. Now, Celtic can't go all out and buy a team or a squad full of ready-made 27-year-olds, 28-year-olds, but you can find that balance where you've got some of those guys within your dressing room and you've got some young potential talent. Our balance is all over the place, Paddy, and it's by design. There is no doubt Without, with the exception of that Ange Postacoglu time there is no doubt that we as a club aren't investing in any player over 25 give or take No, you're, you're, you're right and I think that you look at the laziness surrounding it as well in terms of the contracts that we've given some of our players giving a three year contract to someone like James Forrest who is in the later year doesn't make any sense against that model that we're trying to trying to work on as well there is just no clear management and it's that idea of bringing younger players in and selling them on for more money is a model that is 
is successful for the likes of Benfica, Porto, who have, have operated like that for a long time, alongside signing players 26, 27, 28, 29, yes. and having success with it. Because it's it's those young guys are learning off that experience spending a team. Yeah. We've never done it. We've never done it. And when we have, in terms of Postacoglu, or what we've seen under, under Martin O'Neill, these guys also stuck around for two, three seasons, not one or two seasons. And that consistency has built. And I go back to that lot across the road. That team has been together for, what, five years, majority of them. And that's why they they can grind out results in Europe. They understand how to play in Europe because they've been doing it for so long together. We do not allow us to settle that way because it's sell, sell, sell. It's It, it doesn't work. It works to keep the bank balance happy. But for, for what? We're not spending anything. Yeah, just the main criteria when looking for a player should be the player and the skill set and the talents and what they can bring at the party. And I think Celtic have, have those items are in place somewhere, but right up the top of the list is sell-on value. What could the potential for this guy be? And I think that's where we're falling down. It's worse than that. They've made a mistake that a lot of companies do is they've cherry-picked a part of a successful model, just as your point, Paddy. So from Benfica, Ajax, Porto, Bruges, whatever kind of thing, they went, we like that bit because it makes money, but it's completely interlinked with the investment and the structure of a, a proper professional recruitment team director of football that knows you need a bit of experience blended into that so that the like you say, young players can, can learn. Basically, we just went, we don't want to spend the money on it, we want to make the money from it. So they're cherry-picking part of the model and it never works, never yeah. long-term, never consistently. Recruitment light, that's what we're yeah. doing, we're, we're employing yeah. recruitment light, we're not doing it right, we're not doing the full model, we're just doing part of it and hoping to get away with it. It's a really frustrating time lads and we could we could go on at length here, you know, obviously we've kind of come towards the end of the show here but there's a lot of detail we could get in, lots to cover and to Paddy's point this is something that through our own doing is potentially going to rumble on James across the next, at least the next number of games, there was protests at Aberdeen, I would certainly expect some noise to be made at Easter Road on Wednesday, uh, I'm heading along to that one and it's, it's going to be an interesting one. And certainly when Celtic are back at home against Kelly on the 17th of February, um, there's a lot of interesting times ahead. Every single game. Yeah, has every to be. single has game. To be. This, does not, that, this will not yeah. stop, honestly. And that's that's their own doing. Yeah, totally agree. Um, there's a couple of points that we're not going to get to today, just you know the way time's gone. Obviously, we've not had time to speak about Nicholas Kuhn's debut goal or Adam Ida's fairly impressive debut. Myself and Brido uh, done the post-match just on Saturday night there after Aberdeen, so you can certainly catch all that detail uh, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. David Turnbull's off. Not got enough time to get into that in more detail, Paddy. A couple good. of million pounds. <laughs> uh, interestingly, and I, and I think it is one for discussion at some point, the fact that James Forrest was available for transfer. We've given him a big deal and he's now surplus to requirements. It's a strange one there. Um, and the fact that we're now going to Easter Road on Wednesday and Brendan Rodgers in four attempts has won zero times there. So it's interesting times ahead. James, I'll come to you for your final comments for the week. Um, I think it's just it's a really important time for us as Celtic fans to to come together, you know, to really, really back this team. You know, starting at Easter Road on, on Wednesday night. The team need our full backing and the board need our full noise to know that we're not putting up with anymore. So it starts here. Yeah. Paddy, your own final comments. Yeah, I just think that it's um I, I will back this team um to the, the end of the season. I, I wanna see wanna see us go and, and and push ahead and try and win this league. Do I think we've got the players to do it? Yes. Is it going to be a challenge? Absolutely, it will be. We need players back. We need them back quickly. So here's hoping we get a, a, a rubber luck somehow that we can get that. We can get that bit of consistency that we've been crying out for all season, to be honest. Um, 
I think it ramps up in terms of protests. I really, really do. This board are not getting away with this lately. Uh, and I, I don't think you'll be the only fan uh, considering not renewing next season as well. Win or lose this title. Yeah, it's definitely um, interesting times, as we say. Uh, if anyone's interested in James's season ticket, you can drop us a note. <laughs> uh, James at the CelticExchange.com. Now, there's still time to decide on what you're going to do, James, but you've made your feelings perfectly clear, as a lot of people have at this time. So that wraps things up on this latest episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. Thanks to James and Paddy for joining me, and thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back with four further episodes later this week as we bring you the pre- and post-match episodes for Celtic's league game with Hibs on Wednesday and then the Scottish Cup game with St Mirren on Sunday. But in the meantime, as always, thanks for supporting the Celtic Exchange and we'll see you again very soon. Network.